grad from college having a hard time in this Obama economy getting that first job, or you find yourself wanting to make a career change, a Raging Elephants radio internship is a great way to learn a new skill and start a new career at your own pace. Basic journalism skills, video and audio recording and editing, website and social media management. Even learn how to be a program host. Broaden your horizons. Expand your options. Become a part of the team. Who cares about your age or level of education? Get more info on the site or email info at ragingelephantsradio.com. It's a tuition-free education. RER interns. Numbers equal power. Spread the word about RagingElephantsRadio.com. Here he is, Saints and Patriots, the author of the soon-to-be best-selling book. I don't know. Does the New York Times best-selling book list even, does that even matter for us? Shouldn't there be like a book list? Isn't there like, like a Houston Press book bestsellers list or Austin alternative book list or something like that, Daniel, do we have to rely on the New York times? I don't know. You know, we've got our own music chart, so, you know, might as well have our own best-selling book list too. Put yours right at the top, right? No, look, man, there's some, uh, some great authors out there. I'm look, I'm, I'm staying low key about the book, man. I'm excited about it, but I'm staying low key. Maybe one of these days I'll join the ranks of great Texas authors. I don't know. I can never find the time. Make it happen. If I, hey, if I can find the time, trust me, anyone can. Make me feel bad, Daniel. Just put the pressure on, okay? Well, well look, what it's a pressure that makes diamonds, right? True. Hey, man, I was talking kind of off subject, but Mike Goldman, the SREC member, um, coincidence – you said, you texted to me before you came on that this is the guy that was instrumental in killing the indie referendum back in 2016, 2015. Yeah. And, uh, and first off, before I can even go there, I have to, I have to determine why you chose to share that text message and not the one about me potentially bringing a goat to the state of the union address. Uh, because I know that Media Matters for America listens to everything that we say, and they don't need to have that uh, hanging over your head. Um, we, we, we don't need your house swatted. You know what I mean? I uh, know. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, but, uh, you know, it's, I was uh, listening to your uh, interview. I was listening to the audio before your interview with Terry, and when Mike Goldman's name came up, uh, you know, it just it jumped out because Goldman was the guy who was running point for uh, the electeds that were trying to block the independence uh, referendum during the SREC back in December 2015. So he was water, he was Waterboy's point man on on the, on that assassination. Yeah, well, he was he was running point for the electeds, um, which you know it. You know, knowing who he's worked with in the past and, and understand a little bit of his background, you know, he, it, it was funny because, you know, where they have those meetings, they have these booths out there and, and he didn't realize that he was blathering on the phone to whoever, uh, whoever he was carrying the water for. And, and to be honest, I'm not entirely sure uh, if it was 
Abbott or Strauss, but I, I could tell from the context of the conversation, it was, it was one, potentially one of those two. And uh, just listening to, you know, just how nervous he was about how close they came to, you know, getting, uh, getting that thing on the ballot, uh, back in 2016. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely familiar with the guy. I mean, he's, he's Casper milk toast and he's definitely over there in that, uh, that camp with, uh, you know, all the guys that don't want to see uh, Texans have a, a vote on Texas independence. Yeah. But the comments, I, I mean, I didn't even know that what brought his, brought him to my attention. Those comments were just way out of line. And I, I'm not going to ask Somebody like I'm not going to ask a fellow SREC member like Terry or Jeremy or, or Pastor Broden or somebody like that to comment on that. I'm not dragging them into that, but I'll, I'll make my comments on it. That was totally out of line, totally inappropriate for him to do that. But that's, you know, let's be honest. It's not the first time that that's come up in relation to any type of opposition to Strauss. You know, there's a there's a constant refrain from some of the people who are Strauss backers that any opposition to Strauss is and it has anti-Semitism at its roots. And, you know, even the examples that, uh, that were cited about, you know, that he cited about Scott Turner and things of that nature, you know, you're, you're talking about people that are evangelical Christians. And I think you're going to be hard pressed to find uh, anti-Semitic evangelical Christians in Texas. I mean, I think it's called Judeo Christian. Right. Judeo right. So it, the whole morality. thing, yeah, the whole thing is a, is a red herring, right? But it, they throw that up to somehow cast aspersions to, to, to make, to, they do it to make opposition to Joe Strauss, uh, the equivalent of a morally reprehensible ideology. And it's just well, by, typical. Well, by extension, I mean, from his comments, I mean, he made charge of, uh, Jonathan Sticklin being anti-Semitic. Anyone who makes the statement Christian conservative is now making him feel like an alien in his own state, a foreigner in his own state, as he said. I know it, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. You know, you're you know, I I've I have been extraordinarily critical of Joe Strauss, and there's absolutely no roots of anti-Semitism. I mean, you're you're talking to a man whose godmother survived the concentration camps in World War II. So, you know, this, this idea somehow that you can equate opposition to Joe Strauss to anti-Semitism is just a garbage argument. You know, honestly, they should have shouted uh, Goldman down and, and booed him, but, you know, Dickie maintained uh, good decorum during that meeting. And, look, it, it played out how, how it was going to play out, and now we're going to move on to see what the next move is. Let's broach the subject before, before we go to our first break. Tech City is coming out. I mean, I know there's probably some other things you want to talk about. Catalonia remains to be hot and other independence movements. But I'm sorry, man. You've worked hard on this book. A lot of people have been crying out for the contents of this book to address this. This, this has had to be something burning in you for a long, long time. You put your nose down and you got it done. Look, it, I don't really don't want to talk about anything else. I want to talk about the book. Okay. I, I'm uh, game. Look, uh, let's, you know, Catalonia, the rest of those guys, they're rocking along, and, and we can talk about those guys till the cows come home. But what really matters right here and right now is where, uh, where Texas is in asserting its independence. Well, I think, I think your opening ch uh, chapter is very simple. What is Texas? 
Yeah, you'd be surprised at how few people uh, get it. You know, I mean, they they think what's hilarious about it is they think that somehow the whole Texit term is cribbed off of Brexit, and honestly, Texit came about um, before that. You know, I I actually talk about uh, the the whole Greek eurozone crisis with the Greek currency crisis and the banking crisis. Uh, and, and being the first emergence of that term Grexit, which was when we first made the connection that, Hey, we have an X in our name. This makes a lot of sense. So, you know, we started using it back then, but I mean, you'd be surprised at how, how many Texans this just jumps up, you know, the media are the worst offenders, you know, right after the Brexit vote happened, it was like, you know, we were just freshly born on the earth, uh, because uh, as a response to the Brexit vote, uh, the same thing happened during the uh, the Obamacare thing when it passed, and there was a massive amount of attention put on it. So, I mean, you, if I had a nickel for every media outlet that referred to us as a brand new movement in response to fill in the blank, um, you know, we, we'd already be independent because I'd have just bankrolled a, a private referendum and be done with it. Look, but uh, but hold on, let me jump in real quick, Daniel, if you don't mind. I don't know the extent, uh, the extensiveness of your press operation um, because you know, you're extremely media savvy. I don't know how, how many press releases you put out to how many different outlets, how often, you know, um, you have your own news website, the Texian. Um, when they're contacting you for these media avails, should do they have that? Do they have that excuse? Should they already know about you? Have you already reached out to them, or did they just Google you somehow in some way and found you, or have you literally been providing them with the ability to say, "Here we, here we are." You know where I'm going with this. What's the yeah. answer? Yeah, I mean, look, that, these guys—they don't operate in a vacuum, but they often operate with their head in the sand. Um, you know, they're they're. Uh, media outlets and individuals in newsrooms that receive our media releases. We track them. We see that they open them. They read them. They click our links. And then, you know, the first time that we may hear a response from them, uh, they're, you know, it, it's like they just woke up on, on a brand new day. You know, they're like they just fell off the turnip truck. So, you know, a, a lot of that is, a lot of that, though, is is manufactured. Uh, and some of it is just a symptom of where the media the mainstream media stands today. You know, there, there's this, the component, this component that wants to delude themselves into thinking that this Texit thing is just not that big of a deal. Uh, and then there's this other component out there that understands it's a big deal and absolutely hates it and, and wants to, you know, smear it at every opportunity. Are you talking about completely domestic media or is there some sort of balance or equation between domestic and international because you, because you get your share of international attention too? I mean, globally, especially out of, I think, primarily Europe though, right? Yeah, you know, it's interesting uh, because, and it's something that we've looked at, uh, is media coverage outside of Texas and the United States has a tendency to be uh, way more even-handed on the issue, and you know they're shockingly, shockingly because they are. Yeah, I, but but here's the thing: socialist, shocking that it'll be more balanced. Yeah, but but here's here's what I think the root of it is. Uh, I think the root of it is, and I, and I talk about this a little bit 
uh, in, I, I talked about it a little bit in, in a line in the sand, some, uh, I just alluded to it, but uh, you know, they are, the rest of the world is far more familiar with movements for self-determination than people are here. And that includes the media. So, you know, when we're contacted by a media outlet in say the Netherlands or the UK or someplace like that, they operate under a context where they already understand that these things exist. They understand to a large degree why they exist. Can I, can I put hypothesis to a large degree what their aims are? Can I, can I give an hypothesis why they would have that type of mindset? Because throughout their history, they've seen governments change in a matter of weeks. They've seen country lines, boundaries change. I mean, uh, They've seen that's their history. So the idea, even here in the United States of America, that it's going to stay this way forever and ever, amen, until yeah. the Lord Jesus comes back, that is not the history of humanity. There's countries that have been around since, well, you know, the building of the pyramids of Giza and even before then, but they've had changes of government, changes of economies. Cha what would make Americans so self-righteous to believe that the way it is constituted now is the way it's always going to be. It wasn't always constituted in this way. Um, and so the, the Europeans have a different mindset. They know, I mean, just look what happened with the crumbling of the Iron Curtain and the Berlin Wall. That was dramatic government and social change. Right. And, you know, when, when you start looking at, and I, and I talk about this in the book some too, is when, when you start looking at some of these these political, economic, and, and social and social phenomena that drive these these movements for self determination, sort of that that underlying theme, the thing that drives them. Uh, you know what what you find out is is that th the United States is is experiencing uh, to to a much larger degree what a lot of those people have, and so you know it, it, which spurred on these independence movements. So the the United States is really at this, this tipping point. And one of the things that I, and I know I talked about this the last time, but all of that plays into this idea. You know, when you, when you explore the idea of Texas independence and you look at Texas and you start to, to figure out, you know, look, based on poll, polling data and, and, you know, the trajectory of, of the political landscape. And I mean, you look at all these factors you say, okay, look, Texas should, Texas should be at the tipping point, right? We should, and probably should be well past the referendum. We should be in a position right now where we're actually debating the merits of Texas leaving or staying uh, with, an, with a referendum on the horizon. But for some reason, the, the pieces are all there, but it just hasn't happened yet. And, uh, and there's some, some serious, strangely enough, sociological phenomena, some studies that have been done about this very thing, and I talk about that in the book. Talking with Daniel Miller, he's a Raging Elephants radio contributor and an author once again. First book, Line in the Sand, absolutely outstanding, sold to the point of being out of print, and then had to, I think in this, in this deal, you had to bring Line in the Sand back into print to make this new book deal, did you not, Daniel, just real quick, right? Ten yeah, seconds. well, sort of not not that's that's a bit reductive but i mean we're we're in the ballpark it, it was part of the deal okay so line in the sand and now Texit, and i do want to get back to the subject the chapter in the book Texit, drill down a little bit more i don't want him to be you know no spoiler alert or anything like that but 
The names of the chapters are fascinating. Can't wait for the book to re be released. You ought to go ahead and advance order. RER contributor Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement, the VTNM.org is the website. Arthur, the new book, Texas, scheduled to be released in a couple of months. You can advance order now on Amazon. Okay, so Daniel, get back into this Texas thing. Exactly. I think we got kind of, I mean, it's my fault, but you brought something up that I thought was interesting, the, 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 the psychological makeup, the differences, let's say, in Europeans versus Americans and certainly Texans much more familiar with governmental change over there, societal change over there than here, busting the norm. Um, but Texas itself, the chapter itself, the premise, mm -hmm. what are you trying to get at? Because you're like, there's still those that need a primer. What is it? Yeah, and really and truly in, in that particular at the very first part of the book, what I do is really explain the origins of the term and then take, uh, take folks on the journey. So they understand that, you know, it's, it's more than just, look, we're, we're appropriating this term to, to talk about Texas leaving the union. Right. And, and so I talk about, uh, you know, some of the things that have happened, you know, that, that people may or may not be aware of, you know, the, the various things, you know, we talk, matter of fact, uh, we talk, there's a, a, a section in there where uh, talk about what happened at the, the state Republican convention. Uh, Tanya Robertson gets a shout out. Alan Vera gets a shout out. I mean, I, oh, yeah. yeah, I mean, there's, there's a, you know, I, I give a narrative to, to help people understand that. And you memorial it, and you memorialize them, make sure that they are memorialized some sort of way when you do that. Well, yeah, they, they deserve it, you know? Uh, and then, you know, the other thing too, is I, I share some information, uh, throughout the book, some various stories, you know, I talk about, uh, in one section, I talk about how Strauss threatened Leo Berman to, that he threatened to torpedo all of his legislation. If he filed our, our referendum bill, uh, I talk about David Simpson's, uh, fight, uh, against the TSA groping, uh, you know, I, there's there's a, a lot of sort of insider stories that that people don't get to hear. So, do you talk about the meeting that you had with Dewhurst? Uh, actually, I, I don't. Um, well, oh. I take that back. It does get mentioned, but strangely enough, part of the part of putting line in the sand back into print was uh, for me to revisit line in the sand and update it. Uh, and expand some of the things. And I, I will tell you that I'm, I'm in the midst of that process right now uh, going through. And there is a, a section in there where uh, I'm expanding it out and I'm sharing the details of the Dewhurst story um, in that one. Uh, and especially uh, Greg Abbott's response to it. Oh, well, don't, don't give it all. A, well, no, man, you got to, there's so much else. You got to tell that story. It's so good. You got to tell the story because it's remarkable. Well, I mean, you know, the, I think the remarkable part was, you know, sitting down with the the lieutenant governor just immediately after he got finished administering the oath of office to the new incoming senators, and uh, and that meeting was set up by was facilitated, I think, really by Patriot Char, wasn't it? Right, right. She, uh, Charlene, she, uh, she set that thing up, and you know, it was a, it was an interesting meeting, uh, but. I, the, the, the notable part about it was reciting article one, section two of the Texas constitution of Dewhurst after he got finished in 
just got finished administering the oath to incoming senators. And after reciting it to him verbatim, uh, he, he got this shocked look on his face. He jumped out of his chair like he had a fire ant, you know, trying to uh, munch on his butthole. And he ran over to his desk and grabbed his copy of the Texas Constitution and looked it up. He was fact-checking me, which told me that he didn't know what it said. And the fact of the matter is, is if you have a sitting lieutenant governor who does not know what Article 1 section, I mean, it's like, it's literally right at the front of the document. I mean, it's not like you got to dig through that thing. Yeah, it's like missing Genesis 1-1. Yeah, and so, you know, and the fact that he just got finished administering the oath to a bunch of people who were swearing to uphold that document, uh, you know, told me that, that we had some problems. But, you know, I, I got to give Dewhurst credit, you know, for all the, all the kind of wishy-washy, mushy stuff that he did when he was lieutenant governor. Uh, he gave an ear. And, and an interested ear to the point of even uh, trying to broker a sit between his office and, and Greg Abbott's office. And when Greg Abbott was uh, the attorney general and Abbott is the one who torpedoed that opportunity uh, because he was afraid of how it would reflect on his run for governor. So, you know, these are the kinds of, these are the kinds of challenges that we run into with these guys, you know, people, people, when they slather all over, Greg Abbott and and I'm rather ambivalent about Greg Abbott. It's because I I see him from a completely different perspective than people who don't know these things. You know, I I know that Greg Abbott torpedoed one of three major opportunities we had to get a referendum for independence on the ballot. You know, I know that he was responsible for that. You know, it's the you know people don't understand a lot of times when we have odd against Joe Strauss, but. I know that Joe Strauss was personally responsible for torpedoing one of the three great opportunities that we had for getting an independence referendum on the ballot. I mean, the, this is the way things are. And so, you know, hopefully through expanding and, and, and updating line in the sand and through Texas, uh, people will have a much better perspective on what some of these impediments have been to, uh, to, to getting this thing done. Can't wait for the release, Daniel Miller. Really can't, man. Can they pre-order? Can they pre-order on the TNM.org or just through Amazon, or how does that work? Right now, uh, it literally, if you Google the title, it's all over the place. It's pre-selling at Amazon, Barnes and Noble. I mean, there's a, a slew of places. We don't even have it on our website yet. Uh, that's how that's how fresh it is. But Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all those guys, they're they're stocked up and ready to get them out the door. Fabulous. Daniel Miller, congratulations. Talk to you next week, and the conversation will probably be about Texas. <laughs> Thanks, Claver. Everybody hang around. Still got to talk to Eugene Ralph, and you know what the conversation's going to be about. You know it. You know what the conversation's going to be about. I'm just going to sit back, relax, 